as I'm scrolling through YouTube and I see these TED Talks and it's like one change and you'll fix every relationship, right? Like the one thing you need to do and your whole life will be different. Your diet will be different. Your energy will be different. You know, I see, and then it's like, stop eating tomato skins or something like that. Like that's going to change my life. Or I saw one, I saw one that was like, you need to stare at the ceiling for 10 seconds, like four times a day. Like, right, that's going to fix everything. Yeah, but we get these kind of platitudes where it's like, no, I'm feeling real stress. I'm feeling real pain. I'm frustrated with other people. I'm frustrated with myself. Is it really that simple to get like a one-liner that's going to change my life? And yet we've got these red talks of Jesus where he takes like just this incredible truth, boils it down to like two paragraphs, and the world has never been the same. And so part of what we're trying to understand is when we take these things from Jesus, how do we live them out? What would it look like? Is it possible that these red talks really can be that life-changing? So if you're wondering right now, I, I know that if, if you're used to seeing me around, I don't usually have whatever this is right here on my face. My wife said I should probably mention it to you. So there, I mentioned it to you. Now you don't have to worry about it. I, I will tell you later what happened. But for right now, I want us to think about some of those platitudes and how they change our lives. So have you heard people say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all, right? Good advice, I suppose. And I can probably follow that because that means I don't have to be nice to you. <laughs> I, just, I just shouldn't be mean. You see, things like that actually boil down to something called the silver rule. Now, you've probably heard of the golden rule, but if you're familiar with the silver rule, it's very similar, but it's actually phrased in the negative. Don't do to others what you would not want them to do to you. So easy ways that this can show up in my life. When uh, my boys are playing baseball, somebody thinks he's out. <laughs> One of my boys is the umpire. Like, that's going to go well. He calls him out. So the third boy hits him because he doesn't like the call. Right? And so now, parenting moment. Would you want him to hit you? Then don't hit him if you don't want him to hit you. Okay, so that's what is known as the silver rule. What's interesting about this rule, though, is it's actually not that high of a standard to live up to. Because then if somebody's hurting, but like I didn't cause it, it's not my problem. I'm only human after all. I make mistakes. I'm a man. I do what I can, but don't put the blame on me. Right? The silver rule actually lets me back out of that. I don't have to be proactive. I don't have to lean in to help you just as long as I'm not the one causing the pain. Well, in today's Red Talk, Jesus is going to invite us to exchange silver for gold. And the way that he does that is actually in one of the biographies that we have recorded of Jesus' life. It's a book called Matthew. Now, in this book, Jesus tells this very short story. It's like a two-sentence story about a father that when his son asks him for bread, Jesus says, the father is not going to give him a stone. Right? If you come to your dad and say, Dad, I'm really hungry. Can I have a slice of bread? Like, what kind of father is going to hand you a rock and say, chew on this? <laughs> right? She says, no, no, no. A dad knows how to give good things to his children, to his family, to the people that he loves. And so he sets up this story and he's basically telling them, now think how much more your heavenly father wants to give to you. Because you're only human after all. And yet you know how to give good gifts to the people that you care about. 
And he wraps his story with this sentence, Matthew 7, verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now, you see what he just said there? The law and the prophets refers to the part of the Bible that actually came before Jesus was born. So if you're not familiar with the Bible, there's two main sections that it gets divided into. The Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, is all the stuff that happens before Jesus is born. And the New Testament starts with like the story of his birth. So often the Old Testament is summarized in the New Testament as the Law and the Prophets. And Jesus is saying all of that stuff banks on this truth. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Now, you know the golden rule, right? Whoever has the gold makes the rules. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got that from Aladdin, like the things you remember from your childhood, right? Like, what a useless piece of information. No, no, we know the golden rule, and that's our red talk for today, is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And you see how different this is than the silver rule, right? This is proactive. This means I have to actually stop and think if I was in your position, if I was where you are today, what would I hope for? What would I long for? What would I want somebody to do for me? Think about some of the ways that this could show up. Let's just think about marriage for a minute. The silver rule would say, don't disrespect your spouse. Don't abuse your family. Don't cheat on your wife or your husband. That's really good advice, all right? So the silver rule is not a bad thing, but think if that's the limit. If all I really have to do is not do bad stuff, is that really like the marriage that I'm hoping for? Well, no, I think when I think about my relationship with my wife, absolutely, I want her not to do those things, but I also want her to care about me. I want her to love me. Well, then the golden rule is going to say, I should proactively do that. How do I serve her? How am I patient with her? This is a much higher challenge than what the silver rule presents. And in fact, as I was researching this for this message today, I'd heard this, but I discovered that Jesus is actually the first person to state it this way. So in a weird way, we have the benefit of living like 2,000 years after Jesus. So everybody knows the golden rule. It's common sense, isn't it? Like who doesn't know the golden rule? That's just being a good person. What you don't realize is the reason you think that is because Jesus taught the golden rule and everybody bought in. <laughs> so I started doing the homework to find out like, is that, is that really true that Jesus was the first? And I did more homework than I would like to admit. <laughs> I certainly did more than you would like to hear about this morning. So, you know, we can grab lunch if you want to hear all of it. But part of what I discovered was there was actually a researcher who spent five years exploring other world religions to find the golden rule. Because he believed that if the world really understood what it would look like to do unto others as you would want them to do to you, that could unite the world. Like that could actually change things if people really lived it out. And so he set out on five years of research 
And he claims to find 13 different world religions that had this truth at their core. And his, the, the, kind of the, the consummation of the entire project was he made a poster, the Golden Rule poster. And I thought, well, that sounds a little bit cheesy. That's probably like, you know, like uh, reading is fundamental. You know, it's like those posters that are probably in the school library that, no, this poster is framed at the headquarters of the United Nations because they too thought, if only the world understood how to do unto others as you would have others do unto you, that's the kind of thing that would unite people. But here's what was amazing about his research to me. When you looked at the direct quotes he pulled from the religious texts of these 13 religions, there are a couple of them that were probably shoehorned in there. It's like, I'm not sure that's exactly what they meant, but hey, whatever. But most of them were actually the silver rule. Most of them were stated in the negative. Don't do to others. Hey, this is what being a good citizen looks like. Don't hurt people. There were only three that actually stated it in the positive, very similar to the golden rule. So get this. All of the ones that were stated like the silver rule, in the negative, just don't hurt people, that's the way you be a good person, chronologically came before the life of Jesus Christ. The three that actually put it in the positive, no, we want to be proactive, we want to get out there, you want to try to think, what would I want in their situation and do that for them? There were only three. Two of them came nine and 14 centuries after Jesus Christ. The third one was Jesus Christ. The first moment in history that somebody said, let's go beyond the silver rule. Let's exchange it for gold. And then ever since then, it's like we all bought into it, and I never even realized that was from Jesus. So I don't know where you're at, like, with Jesus this morning. I don't know who you think he is or who you don't think he was or, or whatever as you're sitting here. But let me just tell you, like, personally, this is one of the reasons that I've chosen to follow Jesus, that I've chosen to believe that he is who he says he is in the Bible because he's brilliant like every page is like another thing that no one ever came up with before and Jesus makes it sound so simple and so practical and it's like I'm gonna follow that guy because it's unlike anything else you've ever heard and when Jesus gives this truth I, I think part of the reason that changes for so many people is because I just get inspired by the thought of it. Like, that's how I want to live my life. That's how I would want people to live toward me. But remember that he said in that moment that this is the law and the prophets. So he states the golden rule. He says, do unto others as you would have them do to you, and says, actually, that's a great summary of the entire Old Testament. In fact, if you jump back to the book of Leviticus, one of the earliest books in the Bible, God gives his people this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So based on the very character of God, he says, this is who I am. I'm the Lord. And here's what's built on that. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's phrased a little differently, but it's the same truth. You see, if Jesus is who he says he is, if he really is God in the flesh, then God didn't suddenly change when he came to earth. He came to earth to make sure that we understood who he is, why he was here, 
and what he has in store for us. So I don't know about you, but I think about this and I think that is inspirational. That is impossible, (laughs) right? Like, I probably have not done this today, let alone all week, let alone in my whole life, right? Well, if you think that's challenging, hang tight because Jesus is about to make it even more challenging. All right, so we've just been pulling from a book called Matthew. That, That means Matthew is the author of this biography of Jesus. If you flip over to Luke, a man named Luke writing another biography about Jesus, Jesus actually teaches this same truth again But instead of the story of a father loving his children, look at how he teaches it. He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Oh, man. You realize what he just said? Like you you look at this and you say, okay, do unto others. Well, who is others? My wife, my children. Like, yes, like maybe I've been struggling, but I want to do that. I love these people. My neighbor, okay, yeah. I mean, you know, he's a pretty decent guy. Like my neighbor, all right, Lord, help me with my neighbor. Now Jesus comes back and says, and your enemy. And he defines it. It's people who spitefully use you. That means they are consciously working against you because they don't like you and they don't care. And Jesus says, yes, that's the one I want you to love. Well, Jesus, thank you for your time, (laughs) right? Like that starts to fall into that category of like this isn't really possible, is it? And yet he's teaching that same thing. Do unto your friends and your enemies. So he just kicked it up like 10 notches all at once because he doesn't want us trying to back out of this picture by saying, well, yeah, but that guy was a jerk to me. So obviously I don't, I don't have to do unto him, right? Like, I mean, maybe I'll do something unto that guy, but certainly not going to be what I would want done to me. No, he's saying when they curse you, hey, what would you want in that situation? Would you want someone who's understanding? Would you want someone who's forgiving? Would you want someone who would bless you? You probably don't want to be cursed back. Hey, do unto even your enemies what you would have them do to you. So one of the uh, challenging things I've discovered about teaching stuff like this, God thinks it's really important that we learn (laughs) what we're going to share with other people. If you've got kids, you know this, right? Like you constantly find yourself telling them things that you're like, oh man, I don't even do that. Like it is the right thing to do, but okay, let's both work on it, you know? And so as I've been thinking about this message over the last few weeks, and I've just had do unto others just rattling through my brain, your friends, your neighbors, your family, your enemies, you know, try to put yourself in their position. What would you want? Do that for them. So a couple of weeks ago, we're on vacation. And we go up to Minnesota, and we've got my grandparents have a place on a lake that's just beautiful. And so one evening, I get out in the boat. I'm there with my daughter, and got my tackle box I, I got my fishing rod like this is where we're sitting as the sun is going down and you're just moving with the waves and and like it's like we weren't catching a lot of fish but the fish we were catching were good and we're, we're really not that far off the shore even like I can see the dock from here but the bass are biting in the reeds like that's where they're coming in to hunt and so like we're, we're kind of working it and, and you can see we still we got we got some time left we got some daylight left and then I hear Drew 
I should have gone farther out into the lake. <laughs> and it's actually my mother-in-law standing on the end of the dock calling me. And I'm like, okay. Um, they came to hang out with us for the weekend, but I wonder what she needs. So, uh, yeah, Melissa needs you. Okay, so that's my wife. I'm like, then why isn't Melissa calling? This is kind of weird. Like, Okay, I guess we got to bring the boat in. <laughs> so, all right, you gather up the tackle, you pull up the anchor, we bring the boat in, and I'm asking her, like, okay, so what's going on? Where's Melissa? Like, did something happen? You know, like, is this medical emergency? I, I mean, I know where the ER is from here. She says, well, there's a problem with the neighbor. Okay, so the long and short of it is, is what I find out is some years ago when my grandpa was still alive, the neighbor thinks my grandpa was negligent about something on our back property where branches from our trees fell onto his houseboat and caused thousands of dollars of damage. Yeah, yeah, why are we bringing that up today? Because there was a big storm last night and the, the back lot of our property is all woods and it happened again. A branch fell off a tree, landed on, I think it's his daughter's trailer and like, it's not good. So we tried to be nice, we tried, but he's like, he's really worked up. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a thousand pictures, <laughs> you know, like as I'm walking past the cabin and, and into the woods to try to figure out how do I get over to his property, like in my head is, okay, um, tree branches though, like act of God. I mean, I'm not trying to blame you, but like, this isn't my fault, right? <laughs> like, we're going to take a million pictures. We're going to make sure the insurance is covered because I'll tell you one thing is for sure. Like, I'm going to protect me and my family and, and my family's stuff here. Like, you know, he's not coming after us. And I'm like halfway into the trees and it's like, th this is one of those things. Again, this is one of those reasons I love following Jesus because he tells you that when you accept forgiveness from him and become his follower, it says that God gives you his spirit, which I know sounds like a little bit of voodoo magic, but the idea is that God is dwelling in you and with you all the time to help you actually remember the things that he's teaching you and to give you the power to do it. So I'm walking through the woods and it's like, do unto others. No. <laughs> like, do unto others as I would have them do to me. Okay, what if I was the neighbor and I see me coming what would I be hoping happens next? What would I want right now? Because I've actually been that guy before. I've been in that position where something of mine was destroyed by somebody else's negligence. And when I went to talk to them, not only were they not sorry, they didn't care if I was hurt. They didn't care if the people with me were hurt. The only thing they cared about was that they had no liability. And I'm thinking like, ah, oh, that is what I'm doing right now. And I know that doesn't feel good. So in my head and in my heart, I decided when I get to the neighbor, I'm going to be gentle, I'm going to be kind, and the first thing I'm going to do is just make sure that everybody's okay, because I don't know if anybody was in there, I don't know what else fell on them, or just whatever. Um, so I got his attention, you know, call him over the fence, and I talked to him, I said, hey, hey, we'll figure this out. Like, is everybody okay? Like, I know, I know this is nerve-wracking, and I don't know what damage there might be, but first, they're just, is everybody okay? You know what he did? He was actually really cool about it. I know, I thought, you thought I was going to say hit me. So this is from basketball yesterday, uh, some lazy defense. I got hit in the face, so that's, uh, it was my fault. Um, so that really has nothing to do with the story, but now you know. <laughs> he was actually really cool about it. And in the end, like, we both took some pictures, but, like, he's like, why don't you just climb up there and look, and if you think it looks okay, and I'm like, like, seriously? Like, he's just going to trust me now? And, and then he's like, and by the way, I saw your kids catching turtles. Well, my kids know where to catch the best frogs, and so if you guys want to go hunting for frogs tomorrow, it's like, I'm walking back to the cabin. 
Like, hey, Melissa, I think I just made a friend. <laughs> right? Instead of bracing myself against him, it's like this little tip that God gives us. This do unto others thing totally changed my approach to that conversation. Because I went in there like, hey, if, if there's damage, if I was him, I would want somebody to help me figure it out. Like, okay, then let's do that. And in the end, there was no damage. Everything was all right. You know, his anxiety gets to come down. I get to apologize for whatever thing he happened in the past. And it's like we made a new friend today. It was really trippy. You know, like we're texting the next day. Hey, happy 4th of July. Like, what happened here? And I know it doesn't always work out that smoothly. But I'm telling you, like, there are such incredibly practical reasons to follow Jesus. Like, it's, all, it's not all like sitting on a mountaintop and humming and trying to find eternal truth. Like, God is preparing us now to begin enjoying his blessings by living the way that the Bible says that he's designed us to live. And so Jesus actually, in that same passage, still in Luke 6, he kind of wraps up that, that, that piece by saying, So love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. Like, it's not a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Hey, he might have branches sometime. I'll be nice to him because I would want him to be nice to me. Like, it's just be nice to him. So he says, love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. So think about what Jesus is saying here. He says you're not doing this to be rewarded. You're just doing this to show others love, kindness. But God will reward you because he loves it. In fact, that last line, Jesus summarized it by saying, therefore be merciful just as your father, God, also is merciful. You see what he did? It's just like the golden rule, but it's not just do unto others as they do to you. He just told us to do unto others as God has done to you. Isn't that incredible? You think about everything that God has offered us, everything that God has given us, and he's telling us when you look at other people, when you think about their lives, here's what I want for you. Not just, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. No, he's like, you know what? I want you to proactively look for places where you can think of something nice to say, anything, because you never know who needs a word of encouragement today. You never know who's lost something in the last 24 hours. And a kind word from you is just going to remind them that the world can be an okay place. You never know who's like putting on a good front, but they feel unloved or they feel angry or they feel like they're at their wit's end. And if you say something nice, not because you have to, but just because you know it feels good when people are nice to you. You never know how you might bless somebody else. And he's saying that is what God has done for us. I, I love this picture because I want to be really careful that when you leave today, you don't think that the core message of the Bible is, hey, you want to go to heaven? You got to do unto others as you have them do unto you. And when you get to heaven, you're going to say, okay, God, here's all the ways I uh, did unto others as I would have had them do to me. Is that enough? Because if, if you try to bank on that, then God will say, what about all these times where you didn't do unto others, where you didn't even do the silver rule, let alone the gold rule? Well, uh, I mean, God, you, you get it, right? 
But that's the picture that a lot of us have, that we're going to stand before God, we're going to try to balance these things out. Hey, I got a few golden rules, I got a few silver rules, and can we just not talk about that other stuff? What God tells us is, believe it or not, yeah, actually, we can not talk about that other stuff, but there's only one way. Because God himself has the golden rule so at the core of who he is that he was proactive. That he came to earth in the flesh as Jesus Christ to say, God has to deal with evil. He has to correct our mistakes. He has to punish the things that deserve punishment. And so he said, I love you so much. Tell you what I'm going to do. I will die. I will take the penalty for all of it so that you can have eternal life. You know why? Because God loves you. And he wants to hang out with you forever. So think about what the golden rule means. Because the Bible's message of love for you is all the way through this entire text. That God loves you today, right now. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you better and better every day. But it didn't even just start right now. God has been watching over you your entire life. In fact, the Bible actually explains that God was watching over you while you were still growing in your mother's womb. Like he knew your name before your parents announced it to anybody else. But not only that, he goes even farther back. He says before you were even conceived, before your parents even met each other, God knew who you were and he cared about you and he made a plan for your forgiveness. And now that you live here on planet earth, yes, the golden rule is like he wants you to do unto others as you would have them do to you. Like that is, that's an instruction for you. But think about what that means. That means he's telling me to be nice to you. He wants you to experience the blessing of the golden rule. So he's telling everybody, love each other the way I've loved you. That when you walk into a place like Horizon, you should find a place where people say, hey, because I love Jesus, I'm trying to go out of my way to demonstrate that love to you. To give an encouraging word to you. A kind word to you. I don't know about you. That's the kind of God I want to serve. That's the kind of God I want to trust. If I've got to pick up a book like this and wrestle through it, and, and there are hard truths in here. I mean, there's stuff that is worth wrestling with. But if that's who God is, if that's how he thinks about me, he loves me so much, he told all of you to be nice to me? Well, thank you, God. <laughs> I would love to live that kind of life. And it begins to change not only the way that I perceive God, but the way that I treat other people. Not because I'm trying to earn God's grace, but because he's already given it to me. You see, that's, what, that's kind of what we saw last week. That we forgive because we're forgiven. That we show love because we're loved. Great example of this, I read a couple of weeks ago about a, a businessman from about, man, I guess it's probably like 150 years ago now, but a guy who lived in Toledo, Ohio named Samuel Jones. So he grew up as a Christ follower, and he got the nickname Samuel Golden Rule Jones. Like, what do you have to do with your life that Golden Rule becomes your nickname? <laughs> but this is what he did. He posted at his factory this rule. He said, we only have one rule, but this is it. Therefore, whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you, do you even so unto them. All right, so it's a little old English, but that's our verse from Matthew that we saw today. 
And he put that into practice because what happened was he was independently wealthy. His factory was very successful. And so in 1893, when this recession hit and everybody was hurting, he wasn't really affected by it. But he sat down and he said to himself, okay, but Jesus has loved me. Jesus has has forgiven me. Jesus has shown me mercy. I feel like Jesus has blessed me. So how would I do unto others what I would have them do to me? How can I bless other people the way God has done for me? And so what he did was he instituted eight-hour workdays at a time where 12 hours were the norm. He thought, if I did eight-hour workdays, there's still 12 hours of work to do, then I can hire more people. Well, but now everybody's making less because they're working eight hours instead of 12 hours, so he instituted raises, percent bonuses, revenue sharing, paid vacation, and hot meals in the cafeteria. And it's so strange because that was very abnormal at that time. So like a lot of that we're used to now. And ra- but rather than being like, well, all you other business leaders are bad people. Like his thought was, no, you know what? I think I have an opportunity here to think about how can I make the lives of other people better. And he did that because of his love for Jesus Christ. I guess that's how you get the nickname Golden Rule Jones. But you know, we have those opportunities too. You know, maybe, maybe you have a business, maybe you have a factory. But even here at Horizon, there are some of these things that we can plug into. And I saw this great story a couple weeks ago right here at Horizon with our students. Our fifth through eighth grade students went down to a place called Happy Church. You can see the whole team that went, parents, leaders, kids from fifth to eighth grade. And I'm thinking, so I'll just own, when I was in fifth to eighth grade, no, I am not giving up part of my summer to go further south where it's even hotter and then work outside all day because what? Somebody else needs help? I'm only human after all. Don't put the blame on me, right? But this is what I love that these kids did. They're taking God's love to heart. And these kids and these leaders gave up time out of their own summer vacation to go down and help this place called Happy Church where they are reaching people in the poorest communities in our country. And so when they got back, my daughter actually went with them. So when they got back, literally right when they get out of the buses, I'm like, hey, how was it? Did you have fun? I'm thinking they probably played with some of the kids down there. And she says, dad, I got to use a pickaxe. Did I sign a waiver for this trip? Like, was that on the... <laughs> but this is, this is some of our, our, our teenage gals with pickaxes digging a trench to get water to flow better for this church and for the people that they're serving. Like, putting in real work. Why? Because we want to do unto others what God has done unto us. And I could tell you stories all over Horizon about people who are doing that. Trying to help provide scholarships for people who are the first in their family to go to college. People who are taking time out of their own busy schedule to help somebody else understand the Bible. You know, this women's packing event we have coming up for inter-parish ministries to gather food for people who are hungry. You know, like we do at City Gospel Mission several times a month, sending teams down. Because if I was hungry, if I was homeless, I would hope that somebody would feed me and take care of me. Well, then let's do that for them because God has done that for us. So here's my invitation for us today. Let's do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And the band is going to play a song for us. And as you listen, if you've got a good ear, you'll actually hear the golden rule. And as you listen, I want you to think, because really the first response is, will I receive that from God? Will I be able to stand before him and say, I know that I haven't kept the golden rule perfectly, and I can't bank on myself to do that. And so, God, I accept your forgiveness. 
I want to trust Jesus Christ as my forgiver, and I want to follow his lead. I mean, that's like the first part. But then be thinking over the next seven days, let's just say before you come back next week, how could you do unto your spouse? Maybe be patient with them like you'd want them to be patient with you. With your family. Forgive your child. Because if it was you, you'd want to be forgiven. Maybe a neighbor. Someone at work. And I hope you don't have any enemies. <laughs> but maybe there is somebody who just seems like they don't like you. How could you show them love anyway? Can I pray for you that way? And then we'll hear this song. God, thank you for showing us your mercy, your kindness, your forgiveness, and your love. Thank you for teaching us how much you have done for us. So Lord, I pray even right now that you would give us creativity, that you would give us soft hearts to think of how we can do unto others as you have done for us. And we'll pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.